You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, thank you again for this opportunity to meet here. Lord, we know that you are here and your spirit is here and we are just excited to hear what you want to share with each one of us. So Thank you so much for um, Steve and Tammy. I pray that you will bless them and bless us, our marriages. Some some here may not be married, but um, just our relationships helps to uh, grow closer to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, everybody. So I'm a very hyper person, so please forgive me. And um, she's right. We're not going to be bored, okay? (laughs) And I'm loud, and so, you know, Yeah, let's just have fun together, all right? Um, But as she said, my name is Tammy Conway. This is my husband, who can definitely speak for himself. And uh, we um, are here to talk to you about the topic of marriage and family and relationships. And we've run into a lot of people like, I don't know if I want to come to that. I'm not married. Or, oh, no, I've been married for a while. We've been doing okay. Or, "Uh, I don't know if this is really, you know, like the confusion about whether or not I want to be here, right? Um, One of our loves when talking about the topic of relationship is that the principles that we share are broad, right? Because God created every last one of us for community. And it's true, everyone is not married, will not be married, but everyone is commissioned by God to have relationships with humanity, right? Amen. Whether we like it or not, it is the truth, all right? And so um, we are hoping that no matter what stage you are at in your life, you will find the things that we're gonna share with you this week applicable, and I'm pretty sure you will, okay? Um, And uh, they discovered something that was mind-blowing to Tamara and I, and uh, you know, it is that the divorce rate is declining. Can we, can we get a... Hallelujah. All right, that's great, that's great. Unfortunately, it is not declining for those who are 50 and older, it has doubled between 2009 and 2017. By the year 2030, they believe that it will triple. That is amongst those who are between the ages of 50 and older, 75, 80 years old. Isn't that amazing, right? It's amazing. like unbelievable and, and for, unfortunately, we, um, as we, as we minister in this field of working with people, because that's the thing, people, right? Um, we find ourselves actually having conversations, right, with those who have been married for 40, 50, 60 years, you know, that they are struggling in their relationships. But we're going to talk more about that later. Right now, I got to tell you a story. You like stories? Okay, so I got to tell you a story. And this is a really difficult story for me because... It took place about, how many years ago? Don't say. Um, I was about 17 or 18 years old when I got my first vehicle, my very first vehicle. Let me show you what this vehicle looks like. It is so nice. It is a two-door Ford. What is? It's in my spirit still. Um, It's a two-door Ford Escort. And listen, I had just graduated high school and I was riding the bus every day and it was cold and I'm from Ohio, do not hold that against me, okay? 
And it was just like, oh my goodness, I want a car. And I started my first year in college and my mom and dad said, okay, you saved the money, we'll take you to get a car. And this was my very first car and I loved her. Um, she didn't have heat, but you know, who cares? We could just wear blankets and stuff like that in the car. And I, it, well, you know, it depends on who you talk to. And so I drove this car everywhere. I love this car, guys. I took my friends places. We were just living our best life, okay? And then one day, I remember I went to go start the car, and I heard something really weird. And it was just like, you know. And at first, I was like, okay, you know, whatever. You know, I'm going to just try to keep starting. And the car, it started, but, you know, I would drive it, and then I would stop again, and then try to get, you know, from the store and turn it back on. And it was like having problems. And I'm just like, what is this? So who do you think I called? I called my daddy. Yes, I did. I called my dad. I said, Daddy, something's wrong with my car. I don't know what's wrong. And he was like, well, what's wrong, sweetheart? Tell me what it's doing. And I was like, Daddy, it's going, eh, 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 eh. And he was like, you know, Tamara, when is the last time that you got the oil changed? And I was like, huh? And he was like, the oil changed, Tamara. When is the last time you got the oil changed? And I was like, Daddy, I don't know. And he said, Tamara, do you remember what I told you? when you first got that car. And honestly, I, I remember being there when he was talking to me, but I do not recall anything he said. And I know, cause my dad is a, a guy, he like loves, he drives trucks, he's a truck driver, you know, and he's always trying to tell me about my car and stuff like that, but I wasn't concerned about that. I just wanted to get on the road and get gone. And here I am finally in my car that I loved, and now it's broken down. Let me tell you something. It was so devastating. It was heartbreaking. And at that moment, I realized that breakdown or crisis can catch us unaware, right? When we're not prepared. Because see, you know, we love relationships and being in relationships with people, but we don't understand that it requires maintenance. It requires effort, right? So. We can get our, the next slide. We have uh, an exercise that we want you to do. So we need how many volunteers? I need three. Now, oh, please. And you know it's after lunch, and I know everybody's tired, but I need three volunteers who are willing to come up here and stand with us. If you're out in the hallway and you're supposed to be in the seminar, come on in because we need you. This is going to be fun. Yep, come on in. I need three volunteers who are willing to come forward and hold these posters as I begin to talk about them, okay? So anybody willing to come up, just raise your hand and I'll call you when it's time. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. <laughs> One more person. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. You guys can have a seat right here on this front pew for me. Thank you very much. You're the next contestants on the, well, there is no prize, but anyway, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, so remember, breakdown, crisis has a way of catching us unaware. I'm going to walk you through an exercise. The first that we're going to do is we are going to talk about some things that have, we have experienced ever in our life, in our lifetime. If you have ever experienced any of these particular things, I'm going to call them out. My husband is going to give that to my brother here. If you have ever experienced, next slide. Death in these particular categories ever in your life. This is what I want you to do. I want you to stand up, come forward, and write your initials on the board. So our first one that we're going to deal with is going to be right down here. You can come on down this way. Yep, you can come closer. Yep, 
Oh, okay. All right. Sure. Okay. So, if you can click it, because we have a couple of things underneath the area, the, the topic of death, right? Um, we have pet loss. If you have ever experienced the loss of a pet, come and write your initials, not your name, simply your initials, ever in your life. Write your initials on the board anywhere. It doesn't have to look cute. doesn't have to be pretty. Just get it done, all right? If you have ever lost a spouse, please mark your initials on that board. If you have ever lost a child, please come and mark your initials on that board. If you have ever lost a friend or a loved one, please come and mark your initials on that board. And then, if you've ever lost a less than loved one, that's someone that you may not have really liked, right? But you still have lost that person, all right? Right? Just your initials, doesn't have to be long and pass it along to somebody else. Now, if you have ever lost someone, now don't go anywhere too fast, because if you have lost or have experienced any of those things within the last four years, circle your initials, all right? So if you have lost a pet, a spouse, a child, and I want to put this out there, if you have had a miscarriage, because for some people, within the last four to, last four to five years, yeah. Because sometimes, believe it or not, we do not associate the loss of a child with miscarriage. You all are doing an awesome, awesome, awesome job. When you're done writing your initials, you can move along, or if you've experienced it within the last four to five years, circle those initials. Thank you so much. Yes, now we're gonna move on to our next one while you are working on that one. Um, let's see here, which one do you have? Yes, my friend is gonna stand up here, and she's gonna come down to this end, and <laughs> I love you. <laughs> now, if you have experienced any transitions in your life, such as moving or relocating, mark your initials down on that board, okay? Um, if you have experienced job loss, promotion, or getting a new job, and yes, feel free, take these markers up here too, you know, they're all free to go, yep. Mark your initials, and if you've experienced that within the last four to five years, circle your initials. If you have experienced retirement, or maybe coming out of retirement, mark your initials on that board. Starting school or graduating, mark your initials on that board. Completion of mission or outreach, mark your, mark your initials on that board. <laughs> hey guys, oh my gosh. Okay, empty nesters, any empty nesters in here? You ever you've experienced any empty nest or, let's be honest, returning children? Mark your initials on the board because they're coming home, saints. They're coming home, okay? <laughs> and becoming a caregiver or releasing care. Mark your initials on that board. And if you've experienced any of these within the last four to five years, circle your initials. Thank you so much. And now we're gonna go to our last one, which my friend is gonna stand right here next to me with the others category. In this category, we have, it's okay. It's all right. This is what life is really like. Mm -hmm. There's a traffic jam. Yep. So, um, addiction, end of addiction. If you have experienced the end of an addiction, come and mark your initials right here on the board. And if you've experienced that within the last four to five years, circle. A health issue or maybe blossoming health. You can come and mark your initials on the board. Financial gains or losses. 
Mark your initials, and if you have a marker, oh yeah, you've got an ink pen? Yeah, sorry. All right. And community, if you've experienced transitions or change in your community, um, and any normal patterns of life changes, you can mark your initials and you can circle it if you've experienced that within the last four to five years. Thank you so very much. You all are doing a wonderful job. Yes, you are, yes, you are. Mm-hmm. So while you're doing that, I'm just gonna call them out because sometimes things come back to our memory while we're waiting for our friends to finish. Uh-oh, it was an intimate moment, okay. <laughs> All right, so down here we have, you can stay right there, we have death, pet, spouse, child, friendship, loved one, or less than loved one. Here's a marker, anyone need a marker? Over here, here you go, sweetheart, yes. Down here at the end, we have transitions, moving, relocation, job loss, promotion, new job, retirement, returning to work, starting school, graduation, completion of mission or outreach, empty nesters or returning children, becoming a caregiver or releasing care. And the other here is end of addiction, health changes. It could be improvements or decline, financial, positive or negative, community or a change in normalcy. Thank you so very much. All right, thank you all so much. I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but follow me here, all right? So, and thank you to my volunteers, thank you so much, all right? So, you may be wondering to yourself, first of all, why does she ask us to get up out our seats? I'm tired, I just ate lunch, I got time for this, okay? But there is a method to our madness here. I think we all can agree that within the last three, four, or five years, we have experienced probably some of the most unprecedented times in our lives, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And yet, though, and I want you to pay close attention to something. So I just wanted people to come up who have experienced any of these things ever in their lives. But within the last four to five years, I wanted you to circle, circle your initials. I want you to understand how very important the optics of this is. This is the reality of just this small group of people, because this is small compared to the entire world, right? Who have experienced this amount of death, transition, and change. And my question is this, how many of us have actually processed all of these things in our lives? Because you understand that processing is way different than just moving on. How many of you ever heard that? Come on now, we gotta move on, we gotta get over it, right? I got stuff to do, people to see, you know? You can't stay, you can't linger, no, you gotta move on. And I want you to understand something. We, or what we've just done, has testified that, that either of these things right here, right? That either we or someone we know has experienced something that is powerful enough to, listen, undermine, sabotage, weaken and potentially destroy our relationship. It's powerful because we often can't even identify it, have trouble articulating it, speaking it out loud, or expressing what it is. So it can be a silent relationship killer. So all of this transition, all of this change, all of these things that have happened literally within the last three to four years of your life, and if you have not processed it, 
it hinders you and I from being able to have healthy, whole relationships. Anybody trying to come up out of the pandemic and still hold on to their marriage? It's okay, you don't have to raise your hand. I can give you the statistics. He just told you about the age gap of 40 and 50 and up, right? Actually, it's 50 and over. Those marriages are dropping like flies. And it blew my mind when I heard that because we like to go to the younger generation. We like to say, you know what? These younger people, they're just out here. They don't believe in marriage anymore. You know, that's the reason why divorce is declining in their age bracket, right? Because they're just not getting married, you know? But with us, those who are a little bit older, we think we're safe. We literally just had a couple come to us and say, you know what? We're calling it quits. And guess how long they've been married? Probably 60 years. You know, I, I thought to myself, I said, God, what is happening? What is happening? You can give us the next couple of slides. Next, yep, yeah, there we go. Whenever it comes to um, change, there's a lot of ways that we process. Some of you raised your hands and said, yes, I've processed through it. Let me interpret what you mean. I've lived through it. Mm. But living through something doesn't necessarily mean that you have actually processed. It doesn't mean that you've actually even necessarily grown from it. Mm -hmm. Now, let me just say, it's a good thing that you can live through some of the stuff that we've talked about because it's difficult. But what we want to share with you uh, today is something uh, that is extremely powerful. It's, it's a name. What name is that, Tamara? It's actually called grief. And I know, see, we have been conditioned in our homes from childhood, right? That grief is not acceptable. It is not comfortable. It is not something that we want to experience. And so when it comes to us being in communities with others who are experiencing grief, even as children, it makes us uncomfortable. Listen, I have to be honest with you. Raising children is a hard thing, right? Anybody out here raise it? Yes, God keep us near the cross, okay? And yet one of the things me and my husband discovered um, as we were raising our children when they were smaller, and I remember you explained this to me, is that when our children were hurting or in pain, how did that make you feel? Uh, not good. Right, not good. And I want to adjust my wording. No one can make you feel anything. I, I know, isn't that new? Because that was new for me too, because I just knew people was making me just, I just was like, mm -mm, I don't accept that. But it is true. No one, general, no one's coming to you, opening you up and putting the emotions and the feeling, right, in your body. We can have encounters with people and encounters with situations and circumstances, but no one or thing can make you feel anything. Those feelings come as an association with something else. And when our children would cry or if they were in pain, I don't know, the word that comes to my mind is vulnerable. Why do you think as parents we feel vulnerable when they're in pain? Oh, you can speak out loud. We need you to interact with us, yeah. You don't have the answer. Anyone else? I'm Can't do anything about it. You feel responsible. And those things don't feel good when you feel powerless. So you know sometimes what we do when we feel powerless, when people around us are in grief, because you know that that's, those are the words that we're dealing with, right? Another word for death is grief. Another word for transition is grief. Another word for loss is just simply grief, right? 
And so what we end up doing is we end up trying to stop the grief. You ever said something like this? Don't cry. It'll be okay. Right? Yeah, I'm guilty of that. Or what are with some good other intentions? With good intention. With yeah. good intention. Yeah. With good intention. Or let's see, what are some other things? What are some things that you've heard when you have been in pain or when you're in grief and someone has told you in good intention? Focus on the good things. I like that one. Anyone else? It'll all be okay. Oh, ooh. Okay, listen, listen, listen. That one is a really, really heavy one. Because at best, the only thing we have is our experience. We don't know how they feel. That's hard, isn't it, to accept? What that means is this. We are all unique and different. And your pain, though I may be able to, uh, to somehow identify with it because of my loss, I'm still not you. So when we say, I know how you feel, girl, I know how you feel, it's all right, we actually are minimizing, right, their pain. And I know these are countercultural to us. They what really about, are. What about this one? As if anybody's lost a dog or a cat, Ooh. have you ever heard, you can just... Now, hold on, listen. Now, just, now, now think about this. Your, 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 your prized toy is broken when you're a little boy or little girl, and what you hear is, you can just get another one. Then your, your first goldfish, uh, your first cat, your first dog, imagine you lose all of these and you're constantly being told just, you can, you can get another one. And then you have your first marriage. No, 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 I don't think, I don't, but see, you, you just took a huge leap for them, though. You went from a dog to a person. And I think some of them is just like, wait a minute, hold on, no, 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 no. All, it's all loss, is it not? And what do I do when I experience loss? I just, I just get another one. Yeah. I just replace the person that, or the thing that I've lost. Mm. That is a huge one that permeates relationships till this day. You ever met somebody, maybe it's you. I've been that person who has a hard time attaching to others, right? Because you already start playing out in your mind that you're gonna lose them, right? So I'm just, it's okay. I'm just gonna replace the loss. Relationship after relationship. Marriage after marriage. Job okay. after job. There's some other losses as well. Can you give us the... Next slide, please. And these are intangible losses. Now, hold on. Y'all thought I was done, didn't you? I'm not done yet. This one is very important. They all are important. But this is the intangible losses are very strange for us, especially as people of faith. And the reason why this is is because you know, death is something that's dealing with a person, a pet, or different things of that nature. When we talk about these intangible losses, what we are struggling with is because we can't necessarily always see a loss of trust. We can't always necessarily see a loss of safety. We can't always necessarily perceive a loss of control or respect or dreams or normalcy or faith. I'm coming back to that one hope, security, and expectations. Now, this is what I want you to do now. Um, and these are hard because in communities of faith, sometimes we're in communities where 
what it looks like is what matters. But I want you to understand something. If you don't know anything about what we've just lived through, is that what it looks like matters nothing at all. The fact that you're here today and you made it here today is nothing but the grace and power of God. Two, the fact that you even had a desire to continue to live is nothing but the grace and power of God. There are people who have lived through chaos over the last several years of their life, no matter what you think of why and how, and they're not here today. So what I'm offering you an opportunity to do is to do something here that I'm hoping, saints of God, that we will develop and be able to take back to our communities. Because whether, you, I don't know if you realize it or not, people are hurting. I don't know whether or not you've recognized it or not, but um, even the families in our churches are falling away. Oh, it's not happening in your church? Okay. Our relationships are being attacked by Satan himself. And you wanna know where Satan thrives? Listen, he thrives in us not being transparent. I'm gonna say it again. He thrives in us being afraid to be honest. He thrives in guilt and shame. And so, because I know I'm struggling with a loss of faith, even though I show up to church every week, a loss of trust and safety and control and respect and dreams and normalcy and expectations, and I am busy and I'm active and I'm doing all the things that are supposed to be done, secretly inside, I want to run away from God. And there are some of us who know people, and it's breaking our hearts, who they have verbalized to us that they no longer have faith in God and trust in God. Is it scary to hear those words? Yeah, it's scary. But I want to offer you some hope today. Do you know that a person who has lost their faith, your spouse, your children, your community members, your parents maybe, whoever it might be, right? Do you know that a healed heart, the faith can return. Oh yeah. See, we get really afraid and scared when we see people walk away from God. Don't get me wrong, it's a very sad experience. And everyone does not always make it back. But oftentimes what I've heard, and I'm just gonna throw this out here, you're probably, why are we talking about this? I am a grief recovery specialist and I work with grievers. And one of the top issues that come up in relationship, people in their relationships, is that they have lost trust, rather in a person, but people have actually also lost faith and trust in God. And we, family, family. yes, can we go there? Yeah. Can we, uh, no, no, no. Okay. Okay. Can can we um, get the next slide? Because yes. when we're talking about grief, yes. if we were to go and ask each one of you, the reality is probably several ones of you would have different definitions for what grief is. Mm -hmm. So we want to give you something that hopefully um, um, you can adopt as a new definition for grief or just a definition for the context of our conversation today. Can you give us the next slide? Now that says grief is the natural and normal response to a loss. Did anybody get those two N words? Natural and natural and normal. Mm -hmm. It is natural to grieve. It is normal to grieve. Mm -hmm. Now, inadvertently, now if 
you know, maybe that sounds whatever to you. You're like, yeah, okay, I knew that already. But inadvertently, many of us actually try to um, relieve or stop people from actually grieving. So my wife is crying, and my instinctive response is to put my arm around her and say, don't cry, <laughs> right? Now, there are some instances, little child scrapes their knee. Yeah. Yes, okay, we get that. But when it comes to um, loss, some of the more, well, I can't say more mature losses, but you know, uh, some of the losses that we've talked about today, inadvertently, with good intentions, we actually interrupt people's grieving experiences, right? And so um, it is natural and it is normal to grieve a loss. Now, anyone like to take a guess at why we say it's natural and it's normal to grieve a loss? So God created us to live for eternity. We were not designed to experience loss. We were not designed to experience loss. Uh, if you can give us the next slide. The Bible says, of course, that we were created in God's image. In Genesis 6, 6, why don't you read that for us, Tamara? It says, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And so, not only is it normal and natural, and we'll come back to this, but God himself grieves. Does God experience loss? Oh, wow. Yes. And God actually grieves. And we're going to share with you from the Bible. We're going to share with you uh, towards the end. We're going to share with you uh, some uh, 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 tidbits from the word of God on how God processes his grief. So we know that grief is normal and natural. There are some other things that explain to us what grief is. Our next slide says that, can you read that out loud? What does it say? So, grief is not about a broken brain, but a broken heart. And this is a really good one because we are a very intelligent church. Are we not? Hey, yes, we are, you can say it. I'm proud of that. Yes, we are an intelligent church. We know a lot of information, don't we? Yes, we do, praise be to the almighty. But sometimes we want to deal with every circumstance and situation with intellect. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying devoid intellect, right? What I am saying is that God also wants us to understand that when we are dealing with loss and with grief and our relationships with the people around us, that sometimes the intellect is not the thing that's needed at the moment. So somebody, somebody um, loses a spouse or a loved one, and the first thing that pops into our minds Don't is... Them, let them say what do you say? Seventh-day Adventist Christians? Let's say this person is not a... Well, they are a Seventh-day Adventist or they're not. Doesn't matter. Well, that's true. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's deal with the, the non-Seventh-day Adventist first. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's okay. nice. My condolences... Oh, oh, okay. okay. 
Mm-hmm. All right. God knows. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And if perhaps this person has experienced a loss and they tell you that they are comforted by the reality that their loved one is now in heaven. As a good old seven day Adventist, what are you going to do? Somebody says he, you're not going to argue with them there. Now, now listen. That's an exceptional seven. Listen, day tell the truth and shame the devil. What would you say? It's like having heartburn for you to stick, for you to keep your mouth closed. Because, oh, they're looking down on heaven. You're like, mm. 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 You know, you're like, okay, I got a track in my car. I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to let the track say it. Right? So what about the, what about the person? Listen, listen. What about the person who's a Seventh-day Adventist who's experienced loss and they just don't seem to have been able to pull it together. What do we say to them? See you on the other side. What else? We, we have, have this hope. Right? Wow. Now, but notice what the text says in 1 Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul said that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. He didn't say that you don't sorrow at all, that you don't grieve at all, but that you experience a different type of grief. I was talking with a dear brother and I was asking him, he just experienced the loss of a loved one, and I asked him how he was doing, and he said, I'm still grieving. And this is what he said, Seventh-day Adventist brother, he said, I'm not grieving without hope. I still have hope, but I'm grieving. Now, we have to stop there because for far too long, what our idea has been is that you cannot grieve if you have hope. And there are a lot of people, because they have not been able to process their grief, and we have forced them to live in hope, that they continue to carry around that baggage, and it pulls them directly away from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So because we have a messed up idea about what hope and grief look like, did you know that you can have both of them together? You actually can grieve and have hope at the same time, saints. And I hope that if there's anyone in here who has been carrying a year's worth of grief and maybe never even talked about it because they didn't know that they could, maybe that's why they stay away from church. Jesus wept. You know, so so our hope in a future resurrection doesn't always remove our present pain. Mm. Mm. So as Tamara said, it is possible for us to be in pain and yet hope for what will be. And those two things are not they don't exclude one another. They can, in fact, coexist. It was a, an, a, one of the most powerful examples of this was in the story of Job, Job chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, because Job was a person who experienced all types of loss, right? Remember all the things we circled and put our names on? He experienced, what did he lose? Everybody said everything, but let's speak what it is. What did he lose? He lost his children. What else? His wealth. What else did he lose? His health, Right? He lost so many things. And Job's experience was that he went through grief. 
I mean, that man grieved. But there were some people that came along. Yeah, and this is a powerful uh, story. If you go back and read the book of Job, Job's friends appear initially to be the wisest men on the face of planet Earth. Yes. You know why? Because in Job chapter 2, when they came and they approached and they came to Job, you know what they did? The Bible says, and, and, and listen, Job's clothes had been torn and he was sitting in ashes. Mm. So you know what they did? They tore their clothes, they wept, and they put ashes on their head. And they sat down, and the Bible says, for seven days, they said Ooh. nothing. Now listen, for somebody who liked to talk, ah, that's a long time. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's long. But can you imagine? Can you imagine that? They didn't try to correct him. They didn't try to teach him. They didn't try to instruct him. They literally just sat down, and for seven days, Job is in ashes, I'm in ashes. Mm. Job is silent, I'm silent. Mm -hmm. Job is weeping, I'm weeping. Mm. Let me tell you something. Man, because God is so good. See, I actually am one of those people who feel like the pandemic was a blessing. And let me tell you why. Because what the pandemic did is it challenged us in areas that we thought we were comfortable and we were okay in. And what it did is it exposed a lot of our weaknesses, right? And so imagine all the death that took place. I don't know, anybody experienced death during the pandemic, loss of life? Yeah, right? And, um, and our neighbors, any of our neighbors experienced death, loss of life, our coworkers, right? So all of this death and loss around us. And how did we minister? Now, I know some of you may say, well, we couldn't minister because we had to isolate. Okay, you got me there, right? But what we have here is an example of, of missed opportunity. And this is why I feel like it's so important for us to talk about this, is because hopefully we won't be caught unawares next time. Amen? He's not going to get us again, saints. This was a training process for us, right? So all of this death and loss around us, regardless of where you stand on the spectrum of political stuff, people died and lost their jobs and lost all kinds of stuff. Were we more interested in being right or did we put our boots on and get ready to minister? See, you could have actually been the second half of Job's friends because, see, they got uncomfortable after the seven days. You got to pray for me because after seven days, I don't know if I can do it, right? They actually began to... With good intentions now. Mm -hmm. With good intentions, they began to give Job the reasons behind why mm -hmm. he was suffering, thus grieving. Mm -hmm. And that's where they messed up. As long as they were quiet... <laughs> Excellent. As soon as they opened their mouths, mm -hmm. everything was downhill from that point on. Yeah. And guess what? They were wrong. Yes. Their reasons of trying to help God by explaining why a person was going through what he was going through, their reasons were absolutely wrong. You know what God needed them to do? Just continue sitting there and be quiet. Let us get the next slide, please. This is a... a there, there's a lot more that we can say, but we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. This is the New Living Translation. I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly, but I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, let me translate this, the greater 
the amount of information, mm -hmm. the greater my grief. To increase knowledge and information only increased my sorrow. Hmm. Interesting, interesting point there that, uh, that the scriptures bring out. Now, there's a lot of biblical examples of individuals who, who, who don't deal with grief. Hmm. That's why we're talking about this, because we believe it is, it is tremendously uh, impacting our ability to carry on healthy relationships if we don't process our grief in a healthy way. How many of you remember a Bible character by the name of David? Let me see your hands. Now, if you look in 2 Samuel chapter 12, that's where David and Bathsheba have a child. Anybody remember what happens to the child, the first child? The mm -hmm. child dies. Now, apparently, there's a seven-day lapse between the birth of the child and the death of the child, perhaps even more. We don't know exactly. What did David do while the child was sick? He fasted, he prayed, he laid on the floor, he didn't eat, didn't bathe, didn't do anything. When he found out the child died, what did he do? He got up, took a bath, it's time to eat, bring me a change of clothes. And how did the people around him respond? They were surprised. They, what are you doing? You're not supposed to grieve like this. While the child was alive, you were grieving this way. Now the child is dead and you're grieving this way. This doesn't make sense to us. Here's one healthy thing about that scenario with David. David said this. He said, I will go and join him, but he will not come back to join me. Now, I want you to process this for a second. What was David saying? Okay, I'm going to suggest to you, no. That's, that's what he's saying, but in a broader sense, what David is saying, I want to suggest to you is this. I cannot go back and undo what has already happened, even though it breaks my heart that it has happened. Are you with me? Anybody here ever spent nights and days wishing that something that had taken place in your past, perhaps mm -hmm. something you did or someone, something that someone did to you had not taken place? Imagining how different your life would be had this experience been missing. Okay, three of us have been there. Three of us have been there, right? So what David is essentially saying is, and this is key for dealing with grief, I cannot change what has already happened. It's acknowledging the truth of what has happened. And we're going we're gonna to come back to that and, and touch on that in a minute. But if you go, if you continue to go on in David's life, you realize that David actually was paralyzed in another instance in his life by grief. We're, we don't have time to go into I that. Know. But, eh. we'll, uh, we'll but I, I do want to say this, though, and I think um, it's important to say because it's one of the griefs that are least talked about, actually. It really is. And it is the loss of a child, i.e. miscarriage. It happens more than we think. And yet there have been very few spaces that have been provided 
for women and men who experience this, right, as a family, to talk about it. Um, there's guilt that comes along with it, there is shame that comes along with it, and there is the unknown that comes along with it. And there are a lot of men and women in their own families that deal with this and carry this, and they don't know that that's the thing that's eating away in their relationship. But what does that look like? Mm -hmm. What does it look like? It looks like anger. It looks like... Blame. Yes, belligerence. A person that seems to be completely and totally different from what they had been. It's like, I don't even know who this person is, right? And, and we wonder, what's going on? Are they on drugs? Or, you know, it, what, what on earth is happening? And in many instances, it's because these individuals are grieving a loss that they are not even able to articulate. Or allowed. Or allowed to grieve, they're not being allowed to grieve or allowed to articulate, and it is, it's having damaging effects on their ability to maintain in a healthy relationship. And to connect. And another thing you brought up that, um, again, because we just can't talk about everything, but um, addiction. The root of most addiction is grief. Whether it's narcotics, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's media, whether it's a lot of different addictions, right? And addictions are just great for our relationships, right? Wrong. But sometimes what we do is when we have a person in our life that is addicted, we deal, we try to attack the addiction and we don't understand that there's grief underneath. Okay. So let me, let us get ready to close with this. Mm -hmm. Isaiah chapter 48. You're going to have to go home and you're going to have to look at this and, um, is one of the most powerful things in scripture. We suggest it to you that God grieves. Why don't you say that? Say, God grieves. God oh, y'all don't believe it. Say that again. God grieves. God grieves. All right. So I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 48 to you. And I'm going to not only share with you that God grieves, but we're going to share with you some of the things that God or some of the ways that God deals with his grief. Yes. How many of you want to hear that? Well, that's all we got for you, so all right. <laughs> this is New Living Translation. Listen to me, O family of Jacob. You who are called by the name of Israel and born into the family of Judah, listen, you who take oaths in the name of the Lord and call on the God of Israel. You don't keep your promises, even though you call yourself the holy city and talk about depending on the God of Israel, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies. Long ago, I told you what was going to happen. Then suddenly I took action and all my predictions came true, for I know how stubborn and obstinate you are. Your necks are as unbending as iron. Your heads are as hard as bronze. That is why I told you what would happen. I told you beforehand what I was going to do. Then you could never say, my idols did it. My wooden image and metal God commanded it to happen. You have heard my predictions and seen them fulfilled, but you refuse to admit it. Now I will tell you new things. Secrets you have not heard. They are brand new, not things from the past. Verse 8. Yes, I will tell you of things that are entirely new, things you never heard of before. For I know so well what traitors you are. You have been rebels from birth. Yet for my own sake and for the honor of my name, I will hold back my anger and not wipe you out. Verse 12. Listen to me. O family of Jacob, Israel, my chosen one, I alone am God. 
the first and the last. It was my hand that laid the foundations of the earth, my right hand that spread out the heavens above. When I call out the stars, they all appear in order. Have any of your idols ever told you this? Come, all of you, and listen. The Lord has chosen Cyrus as his ally. He will use him to put an end to the empire of Babylon and to destroy the Babylonian armies. I have said it. I am calling Cyrus, verse 18. Oh, that you had listened to my commands. Then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sands along the seashore, too many to count. There would have been no need for your destruction or for cutting off your family name. Now let's just break this down. Can you give us a couple of, go to the next slide, please, Brother Nat. Next one. Next one. Next, next one. one. Yep. All right. The first, the first tool that we need when we're dealing with grief in terms of processing it in a healthy way is to articulate what it is that we are grieving. Articulate the loss. Say that with me. Articulate the loss. Articulate the loss. Does God articulate the loss? Yes, he does. Listen to what God says. In verse 1, God says, you have broken your promises. In verse 4, God says, you are stubborn, you are obstinate, and you refuse to listen. In verse 5, God is grieving their idolatry. In verse 8, he's grieving their betrayal. He calls them traitors. In verse 8, he also notes their rebelliousness. So, number one, we have to articulate our loss. We have to call it what it is. Mm -hmm. And it takes time mm -hmm. to do that mm -hmm. because a lot of us just get mad and we say, I'm mad at you. I know you've been there before. You don't have to say amen. I'm mad at you. But why am I mad at you? I don't know. I cry whenever I think about my mother yeah. who's passed away. I cry. I still cry, even though it's 15, 20, 30 years, when I think about my father dying. And it's like, okay, that's natural. That's normal. Yes, but why does it still sting the same way it did 15 years ago? Mm -hmm. What is it about the loss of my mother or my father that hurts me. Do you understand the difference between just saying, oh, I, I lost my mom versus, man, I lost a relationship with my mother, my father, that I hoped to have because we were never close when I was younger. Are you with me? And you it's the difference there. And it's not just about death. Sometimes because we have lost relationship, you can grieve a loss of a relationship. And it shows up. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Marriage is rough, right? And when you bring stuff with you into your marriage that you're grieving, that you haven't dealt with, you can take it out on the person you're in relationship with. Anybody know what that's like? Mm-hmm. Okay. So number one, articulate. Number, can you give us the next slide, please? Uh, express your feelings. Man, God does this in Isaiah chapter 48. In verse 9, he says, I'm angry with you. He also says in verses 12, 14, and 18, Listen, listen, listen. Another way of putting it is God says, you've been ignoring me. You've been ignoring me. And then God says that he has sorrow 
listen to this, he has sorrow because he has lost out on the plans that he had for his people. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Some of us make plans for our children, and then they do stupid stuff. And listen, listen, we can grieve the loss of plans we had for our children. Anybody done that? God grieves the loss of plans for his people. You shouldn't even have to be going through this. If you had only listened to me. So articulate it. Express your feelings. Now, the reason we don't do this, and I'm getting ready to close, we don't like to express our feelings when processing in a healthy manner through grief is because it involves vulnerability. Mm. To say that I actually needed you to be somewhere or to experience something, that's, that's too much, right? Finally, listen to this, verse 11, and we'll talk about this in another one. It says in verse 11, I will forgive your sins for my own sake. Now that's serious. Now here's, here's the last one. Here, <laughs> here's the last thing we're going to share with you before we get out of it. Here. Scripture is illustrating God's ability to be free to treat his people as though they haven't sinned. Why? Because he releases himself through forgiveness from being bound mm. to their betrayal. We'll have to talk about that in the next. The next. So let me let me let me just close on this and say this. If my if my father was abusive, if my mother was negligent or absent, you and I forgive them. Not because what they did or didn't do doesn't matter. But we forgive them for our own benefit. So that we can be free, free. Yeah. from that pain. The memory isn't gone, yeah. but I am no longer manipulated by it. I am no longer affected by it. It no longer controls me. Remember we said that's where Satan thrives. See, these are the things that if we stay surface, he's happy we show up to church and we don't talk about these things. But he knows if we go beneath that, freedom comes. Amen. Amen. Oh, we got to stop. Let's. So this is this is our first session on uh, uh, um, tune up. We need to deal by the grace of God with grief, but we need to do it in a healthy way yeah. so that we can be released. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Father in heaven. We have only scratched the surface on how we can be healed in this area of grief. We pray, dear Lord, that you would help us to articulate it, to express our feelings, and ultimately to be able to forgive. Oh, Father, please, uh, I pray that my brothers and sisters would come back as we delve more into that important topic of forgiveness. It truly is radical. You are radical and life-changing. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.